Welcome to season two of Church Unscripted. We're excited to have you with us. And we have some good news, uh, some new news that we're on all podcasting platforms. So make sure when you go on there, um, you give us a rating or a review on there um, and be able to subscribe so you can listen to this every week. Um, we're excited. We're still on YouTube, of course, but we also have all these other platforms that you can listen to us on while you're going for a run or you're out with the kids or whatever you're doing, you can listen to this podcast. And so um, I'm excited because this is a new year. And this is a new Church Unscripted, and we have a new series. Is there any other things I can say is new? Is there anything else new? Lots of stuff new, but we'll have to save those for surprises later on. Okay, surprises later on. All right. (laughs) We'll have some new things in the next few weeks, right? So, yes. So, uh, I'm excited about that. So, Eric, can you maybe give us a summary for those that maybe missed Sunday? um, What was your sermon about? What's the new series called? Like, what, what are we going through right now? It's a new series called In the Ring. And it's, it's the image of boxers getting into the ring uh, to fight, right? And the reason that, yeah, you, let's go. Come on right now. Take your boat. It's a little unfair. Oh, yeah, he's right. <laughs> uh, so in the ring is a concept of, uh, it's really a marriage series. So this is going to lead up until, uh, um, what's that holiday in February? Um, I think it's Valentine's Day. That's the one. That's the <laughs> until one. Valentine's Maybe. Day. Maybe. No, of course What's I didn't Valentine's, forget Valentine's Day? Day. I would never do that. You won't forget now. Of course not. I was just testing you. Oh, thanks. That's what I was doing. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but it's it's a marriage series. And so the concept is, is a lot of marriages are doing one of two things. They're either in the ring fighting against each other, and this is where marriages begin to fall apart, or they're in the ring fighting with each other against other enemies. And so um, I believe scripture is very, very clear. We've each experienced that there's all kinds of things in the world around us, including culture, including, you know, Hollywood, uh, including our very real enemy called Satan. Um, who's, Hallmark. I can't handle watching Hallmark movies, but I don't know if they're okay. They're an enemy. All right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a fan of Hallmark, but they're Great movies. Uh, They're great on. movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, great yeah, yeah. movies. Don't get yourself very in trouble. Healthy and holistic. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, the, the idea is, you know, what are you doing? Are you fighting against each other yeah. or are you fighting with each other against other enemies that are actively trying yeah. to erode and destroy your marriage? So that's basically the concept. It'll be a six-week series. Uh, and we started this week in Genesis, the first two chapters of the first book of your Bible, uh, where Jesus, where not Jesus, but God establishes not just male and female, but establishes the nature of the male-female relationship. Uh, which will lead into what the marriage relationship ought to be built off of. You you started with some pretty deep stuff this week, I feel like. You got fired up at one point, and I'm yeah. thinking, I'm like, yeah, I wanted to <laughs> cheer, right? And so we we here yeah. definitely believe in Jesus-centered homes, and like we, we want people to have Jesus-centered homes and gospel-saturated communities. So how does that apply in a rapidly evolving digital world? Because you're talking about marriage relationships, but there's technology and social media that get in between those marriage relationships and dominate our interactions. So like what, how can we have Jesus-centered homes and a gospel-saturated community when other things are keeping us from that? Technology keeps us from that. Yeah, David, I think you're you're versed on this, but at least in my own, and so I wanna hear your response to this, but in my own interaction with social media, um, it it can be very deceptive. Mm 
because yeah, it kind of helps build community. You can keep up on what's happening with your friends and family and neighbors and so forth. And that's all fun. Uh, but I often discover that when it comes to marriage relationships on social media, why would you ever present anything other than the best of your marriage, right? Yeah, right. I mean, some people do that in some kind of weird humility, but- No, but for the it's, most like, part, it's like an Instagram, like, oh, look at me. Yeah, right? something like that. But I mean, it's always pictures of you having great times with each other and encouraging each other and complimenting each other. And mm. that's not bad, except, um, except that can be very fictitious. Yeah. And so what that can do for us <laughs> Is, is we can get the impression that every other marriage on social media, every other family, yep. every other home is so healthy, so strong. What's wrong with mine? Yeah. Until you can begin to get into the weeds of those families mm-hmm. and understand what's going on and realize, okay, they're broken just like me. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's at least one of the dangers of digital social media um, as you apply it to the family and marriage context. For sure. I agree with that. Like, I think, well, I know people are posting what, they want people to think of them. So they're only posting the good things. Um, and, and that is tricky. I, I think when, when Katie and I were first married, um, there was like this weird thing where it's like, well, other people are posting about their spouses or whatever. And like, do I do that? Like, and you know, most of the times if I would post about Katie or our family or whatever, it's, it's in good seasons, but in the bad seasons, I'm not like, <laughs> let me post this, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. only show the good part. Um, so definitely see the effects of that in, culture in our in marriages should we start an instagram page where it's only pictures of us yelling at our kids or arguing (laughs) with our wife or i'm just i'm just saying Uh, like as you guys are saying this i'm like well i feel like we're we're all social media is like one hand of that right yeah yeah Yeah, and i think the other the other part of that like the other side of the coin was I, i as you were saying that i think we can actually in our marriages and there's been seasons where katie and i have fallen into this where we both are maybe the kids are down to bed, we're sitting just relaxing and we're both on our phones on social media or YouTube or whatever, just kind of searching stuff. And that actually drives us further apart because yeah, we're sitting next to each other, but we're just looking at all the good things about everybody else sitting there like, well, like, oh, well, she didn't do that or he didn't do that or that family's doing this, so maybe we should do that. Or we should, and so it becomes this comparison thing, but it also divides us when we're sitting next to each other if we're not careful too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think of it like this sometimes is social media is for people that you can't physically see in the space you're in, if that makes sense. So like, like my cousin that lives in Montana... I can connect with them through Facebook. Maybe I'll give them a phone call, but I can't, I can't actually physically be with them. But when it comes to our spouse, really we're not like messaging our spouse on social media. We might text them back and forth through, through the day because we can't mm-hmm. like talk on the phone. We're at work or something, whatever. We're in the middle of something. But um, I think the reality is, um, the, especially when it comes to marriage, if we're just taking marriage, um, the best forms of communication is setting aside time for that communication. Because yeah. David, you know, when you're saying that, I'm like, Totally been there. Yeah. I've totally like sat down. We're like sitting in bed and I'm thinking, we're not even watching TV. There's nothing on. It's just like, and I'm like looking over and she's like this. And I'm like thinking, well, this is a waste of our time. Like we should be doing something where we're connecting because mm-hmm. there's no kids screaming or crazy <laughs> stuff happening or bedtime happening. And so I think, I think, you know, adjusting our expectations when it comes to social media and digital interactions to that is the least common denominator. I mean, meeting meeting with someone in person, being present with them physically is a huge thing. Yeah. And then, you know, telephone maybe, and then you go down and 
texting even falls in, I would argue, the social media category because text can be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. You read your emotions into a text. And so that can cause marital conflict mm-hmm. because you're literally saying one thing, but your spouse is thinking another. And and it's not because they're in the wrong or you're in the wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just because they're thinking differently than you. And so they don't hear your yep. tone of voice. I'm, real, I'm curious. Um, <laughs> of, of <all laughs> you got the, a curious face there. You're <laughs> like, wait a second. Of all the things, that, all the questions you could have used to start this conversation, um, you brought up the social media's impact on marriage. And I didn't bring that up in the sermon and that's totally fine. Didn't need to. I'm just saying, why was that the the first question you brought up? A couple reasons. Yeah. Um, I think that our technology destroys marriages. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I had a conversation with you last week and I talked a little bit about neglect and that's one of the ways we neglect our spouse is when we're staring at a phone or a screen or um, not paying attention to our family or kids. Um, And again, if we don't have a family, if we don't have kids, if we're single, still being present with the people around us is more important. But if you notice, um, I've said this before, there's like a lot of people that are just sitting there going like this all the time. You can be talking with someone and your attention's divided. So I, I... I, I think you didn't even bring it up, but the reality is the undercurrent of all that is I heard, okay, if I'm gonna fight for my marriage, I've got to fight for it in this area. Um, you notice there's there's been a trend of couples that have a Facebook together or a Instagram together. And most of the reason that's been is because there was um, struggles in the past with communication. There was never infidelity or anything like that, but there was just like, okay, what's okay for us to communicate? We need to have access to everyone's communication, which I think is totally fair. Um, but I find that it's it's a very deceptive thing. I think social media is actually something Satan uses. I'm not saying it's bad mm-hmm. because, I mean, if that argument were to say if social media is bad, then um, eating's bad and guns are bad and everything's bad because it can be used for evil things. It still is like the sin in our hearts. But um, But I would say specifically, social media tends to divide us. And so that's why, like when I was listening to your sermon, that's like the theme that I kept hearing through the whole thing. Well, I mean, you, you kind of make a good, well, not kind of, you do make a good point because one of the things that was the foundation for not just relationships, but marriages is the fact that both male and female are built from the image of God. Mm-hmm. So the likeness mm-hmm. of God is built into each one of us. Mm-hmm. And that is the catalyst that brings male and female together. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just in a marriage relationship, but male and female, just in community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're, what you're suggesting is that social media tends to have more of a tendency to divide rather than to bring together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we use so, social media, like for example, if you're sitting in a chair by yourself with no one in the room and you're scrolling through social media, you're not actually losing relationship. You may be gaining relationship, let's just say, just big picture. But when you're sitting next to your spouse or you're sitting next to your kids and they're asking for you to read a book and you're saying no because you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or whatever, that seems to me that that's dividing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, so, I don't disagree with you. Would you say that social media has a bigger negative impact on, on marriages than say addiction, whether that's alcoholism or pornography or I think know, social media is or, an addiction. It can be, it, it's I, I an think, addiction. I think it's- um, There's a dopamine hit when you yeah, like- Yeah, I mean, there's, when there's something about it. Like the reason, like one of the things that Katie and I are really wrestling through this year specifically is social media and just the the- the what is causing me to engage in social media. And there there are good things on social media and then there's things that draw your attention away. So I would say it's, if it's left unchecked, it can easily become like any other addiction. That's what I would say. Yeah. 
I mean, okay. I mean, it is producing a chemi- chemical response, and there's statistics on that. You wonder, you wonder why all the, um, you know, big tech guys like Steve Jobs that passed away, like you have uh, Zuckerberg, they have strict rules for their kids about not being on screens a certain period of time, and they don't want their kids to be on those same social media platforms. And yet they're trying to sell us, the rest of the populace, to be on those. And the reality is they know the effects of that. I'm sorry, maybe I'm being just really sick, but th- this is so like, you're like, what does this have to do with marriage? <laughs> Someone's on here and they're like, just saw the last three minutes and they're like, I thought we were talking about marriage and fighting for a marriage. I think one way of fighting for a marriage is realizing the barriers that are keeping us from yeah. connecting in intimacy with our spouse. That's and, the and calling That's them out and, and not being offended by somebody, one of one or the other calling that out. Because I think there's even outside of social media, there's so many distractions that we can engage in. I mean, like, you know, we, we could sit and read a book next to each other and that's the same distraction. So you have mm-hmm. to be, I think you, earlier you used the word present, like what's, what's taking me mm-hmm. from being present. I think you have to fight to be present uh, in order to build your marriage um, or else those distractions are just going to eat you alive. That, that's a good transition to a thought. I mean, you, you brought up like fighting for your marriage and one of those ways is being present. So do you guys have some practical ideas of like, how to be present with your spouse. What are some things that you guys do? Um, what are some things you've heard other people do? So maybe like, I don't want to be um, prescriptive and say everyone needs to do things the way we're doing them. But there, there's obviously ways to set aside time mm-hmm. generally. How do you guys do that? Well, that's why the fourth uh, of the take-homes was to keep the date. That's why the, the title itself is called Keep the Date because uh, being present with your spouse requires intentionality. Mm-hmm. And so we all have these great aspirations of saying, you know, I can't wait to, to date my wife and to spend time with her. And that'll never happen unless you get disciplined about it. Mm-hmm. And so especially if you have kids in a home, mm-hmm. uh, that'll make it virtually impossible unless you sit down with a calendar and say, all right, next Friday, we're, we're going to call in advance and get babysitting. Mm-hmm. And we're going to set aside 50 bucks to pay for that babysitting. And while they're there for three hours, we're going to take the most of that time and we're going to make the most of that time. We're going to go out to dinner to a place that we both enjoy. And while we're there, mm-hmm. we might even have a list of things to talk about because sometimes, if I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes just in the moment, you have a hard time <coughs> thinking of conversation. Mm. So if I come prepared with our, I'm going to have you having trouble thinking of conversation. You yeah. always give me 50 <laughs> questions. You're good at that. No, no, no. I didn't say I don't have a problem interrogating. I have, oh, I have a, okay. sometimes yeah. a problem with conversation. Heather so. probably doesn't like <laughs> interrogating. <laughs> That's way different. Uh, but no, if you have a, a plan, not just where you're going to go, when you're going to um, do that, um, Uh, What are you going to talk about? And so keeping the date is so much about intentionality and discipline. And I think it might feel like that's not relational because relationships are meant to be like just fluid and go with the flow. And I don't, I don't really agree with that. So, 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 so one thing you're saying, like to the person watching or listening. So how do we, I mean, you're saying we have to be intentional. I don't know many men in my sphere with kids my age that have, that feel they have the time to go, I'm gonna write out five questions we're gonna talk about on our date. Mm. So how do, how do we do that? Oh, mm. that? Well, that to me, that's, that's not a valid excuse. Because, I'm just asking. I mean, I, because if we say, I, I don't have time to do it, you better make time or time is gonna catch up with you and you're gonna lose it. Yeah. And so one mm-hmm. of the things that, I mean, time goes so fast. And so if you say, I don't have time to, to be relational with my wife. It's, it's the same excuse you would use to say, I don't have time to spend time in, in scriptures and pray. And you have to be disciplined. And you, yeah. if whatever excuse comes up, you say, all right, what's my priorities? Mm. 
So what's, mm-hmm. what are the things that are taking your time that's making it impossible to have time for your spouse? And then you say, all right, are those things more important than my wife? Mm-hmm. Here's some, something that somebody told me a while ago, and it's, it's a piece of advice I've never forgotten. I think I might've said it on this podcast as well, but um, you know, as much as we love ministry and as much as we love the church, mm-hmm. right? We want to give a ton of our time to it because we love it. Mm-hmm. But eventually our time at church is going to come to an end. We're either going to retire or we're going to quit and go somewhere else, or we're gonna be fired and have to go somewhere else, or God's gonna call us home. But until he calls us home, Mm -hmm. when we leave the church, whenever that is, uh, the only thing that's gonna come with us is our spouse. Mm -hmm. As soon as I leave Brookside, it won't be long before I'm forgotten. Now, people aren't gonna be like, well, who is Eric? No, no, it's gonna be like, we're gonna keep moving. Mm -hmm. And there's gonna be a new pastor um, and hopefully that's not for a long time, but eventually that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And what I will have left is my wife. So the, the advice was don't let the church or anything else become the mistress that takes the place of your wife. And that might not just be the church, that might be sports. Some of us are so into like- Sports, video oh games. Goodness, I'm like, when you said games? that, I was like, there's a list of mistresses. <laughs> oh my, even exercise. I mean, exercise is hugely important, isn't it? But if it's like, that's the only time my wife and I could connect, then either find another time to exercise at the expense of something else or bring your wife with you and exercise together. So the excuse of, I don't have time to make time, that's just dumb. Mm-hmm. And that's never gonna work. Yeah. Hey, I'm okay. I just threw the question yeah, out yeah. there, man. Don't, <laughs> don't hurt the messenger. Well, I know I think someone's one of the things, that. One of the things you were addressing was like, what do I talk to my wife about? Was that yeah. kind of what yeah, yeah, you yeah. said? You come with like a list of questions. Get or creative, like, man. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I've discovered is yeah. like having young kids, we don't get to talk about like what's going on in our hearts very much because it's very... Like, get the kids there, pick them up there, put them to bed there. Okay, we're tired. Go to bed, wake up, do it again. And so on date nights, it's an opportunity to just be like, okay, so like, what's going on in your heart right now? And that question will lead you to hours of conversation. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily like have an agenda. Sometimes it's helpful depending on personality and the way that you interact with your spouse. But I think... So David, do you think a lot of people think like that though? Like I'm, I'm listening to you no, and, and I want to hear, I want to hear men from Brookside that's go up I'm, to their wife, yeah. sit with them and say, how's your heart right now? Because I can tell you there's men that need to say that. But, right, that but that's question. what I'm saying is I think, I think as men, it doesn't come natural to no. say like, mm-hmm. how are you feeling? Like, how are you doing? Right. Like the kids have seemed to be like right. a little extra this week. Like, mm-hmm. how has that affected you? Like those kinds of things, like f- pursue the heart of your spouse mm-hmm rather than just like the, so did you have a good week? Yeah. You know, like, and so I think the encouragement there is like, I don't get it right every time. And there's times when Katie's like, hey, I told you last week that I had a really hard day and you never asked me about it. Mm -hmm. And and (laughs) we've we've never made that mistake Never done that? No, you should post about (laughs) it on Instagram. Oh man, yeah. (laughs) But you know know what that requires? That requires work. Right. And it's, it's, you're right. I mean, nobody is, is so good at conversation that it just flow. I mean, if you're just a chatterbox, that's not a conversation. Right. You're just you're talking. talking, right? Yeah. So, so you were, yeah. Ahead. So I just I think that was the encouragement to men is to say, like, if you don't know what to talk about, just mm-hmm. remind yourself to pursue your spouse's, your wife's heart, mm-hmm. and if you can pursue her heart, mm-hmm. then eventually mm-hmm. that conversation is just going to become natural and you don't have to come out and say like, so how's your heart today? Yeah, yeah. But like, note it, like be intentional about noticing things about maybe, you know, 
you came home and your wife was uptight because of dinner and the kids or whatever. Like, keep that in mind. And then when you go to your date, just be like, hey, I noticed, you know, this week you just, you know, seem to be like have a hard time with this. How can I help you or what? What's going on? That David, are you asking us to have observational skills? Well, that's stop it. That's work, that's work <laughs> too. Come on, that's work Come on. too. That's, a whole, that's like graduate. But I mean, what you're talking about is is really getting to the theme of the entire sermon, and that is the role of man, the way that God called men to 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 cultivate right. creation, mm-hmm. uh, which is women as part of His creation. Yeah is to work for the care of it. Yeah. And so when, when men say, you know what, it's just not, it's just not natural. It's not easy for me to have conversation. Mm. Well, well, again, you're just playing into, into our carnal nature where right. God mm-hmm. says, no, you got to work at this. And so I'd, I need to find a book on it. I'm hoping somebody wrote a book on it. If not, I think we need to write it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, 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 title it, The Art of Conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and the theme would be, Stop giving one word responses and killing conversations. <laughs> Learn to create like a dance of conversation where there's a, a give and take. And so for example, if... if Wait, did you just say dance? I'm like stuck on you just said dance. I'm like dance of oh conversation. Just called sex all day long over here. He was about to say something really important. Jeez, it was a dance, it, dance of he? conversation. This no, was not the back and forth. The back this and forth. a little rough. We need back to work and forth. on our okay. uh, That's right. Two of feet. Two Get up, David. <laughs> Anywhere. Where was I before? I was so rudely interrupted over here. Dancing. No, not dancing. (laughs) The dance of conversation. That's it. That's it. So for example, if you ask me the question, hey, how'd the meeting go? You're trying to start a conversation with me. And I say, it went great. Thanks. I just killed the conversation. There's no response to that. Right. So if you say, how was the, how was the meeting? I'd say, I think it went well. Thank you very much. I mean, it started off where we were talking about this and that was kind of boring, but then it got into this conversation and this is where we really started to gel. I mean, this person had this idea and then this person had this idea. Yeah. And now all of a sudden I'm making conversation and I'm giving you opportunity to take a hold of one of the things I say and respond back. That's the dance I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So you could say, oh, wow, I'm surprised that that thought came from that person. Yeah. It's interesting. Where'd they get that idea from? And like, okay, where'd you guys get con- conclusion from? Oh, we got a conclusion when this person said, um, you know, here's an idea. And the rest of us said, all of a sudden I took one question. I turned it into a longer conversation as opposed to the media went great, thanks. Yeah. And now it's dead. If you can start practicing that on your dates, you don't have to think of 18 different conversations. You can think of three and just let that little yeah. line of thought, that train of thought go all over and the And then place. just ask questions. Ask so, questions. So let's broaden it a little bit. Yes, we're talking about marriage, but yeah. some people watching or listening probably aren't married. True. So that, that skill that you just described oh, yeah. is a skill for every oh, relationship, yeah. friendship, right? I mean, Absolutely. I just want everyone to understand Every interaction. That. Every interaction. Yeah. Asking open-ended questions, you know, having, having. I love how you called it a dance because it is kind of a dance. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, if they don't give me enough information, I'm just gonna ask them another question that adds to more, you know? I think, I think what y- you just described is actually one of the most important skills that most, I would say most people don't have. And I would argue that it's very hard for men to do in general. Mm-hmm. Like social we get down media to the sure details. Help yeah. yeah, social media because we get <laughs> hey, distracted. Are we still on social media? I'm just saying, okay. I'm bringing okay. it back. It's, yeah. it's so I, I've got a, a couple other questions I, I'd like to just, you know, kind of walk through. Um, one of them is uh, there's a rising trend of non-traditional families. You know, there's blended families and, and different opportunity or different things like co-parenting or relationships. Um, how does the concept of Jesus-centered homes adapt in those diverse dynamics? Because we talked about marriage, but there is a marriage of sorts, especially with parenting. Um, 
how, how can we have Jesus in our homes in that context? And, you know, fight for what's right. You know, sometimes that's a battle too, mm. right? I, and my initial response is I think the more diverse um, the family is, the more work you're gonna have to put into it. But yeah. I think it's still just as possible to be a Jesus-centered home as anybody else. I mean, God designed the family to be one man and one wife for life and then children being born into that home. That was his original, but of course sin has come in and there are so many marriages now and families that are broken because of that. Now it doesn't mean that the people are bad people. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're evil and God's mad at them. What it does mean is that there has to be some adjustment made mm-hmm. uh, to bring Jesus back into the center. And the way you're gonna do that is you've got to figure out how to operate in a blended family where there's two families coming in with two different cultures, two different sets of values, two different backgrounds, two different ideas for vacations, mm-hmm. two different ways of how to do dinner mm-hmm. uh, and all kinds of things. And so it's gonna have to be a, a lot of work, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Because if you're gonna commit to that kind of family dynamic, which you should, mm-hmm. um, then you ought to also at the same time commit to it becoming more Jesus-centered and not compromise on that. But it's just as possible. It's just that based on the dynamics, it might require it's more some more work. It's more complicated. Because yeah. I mean, if we were to if we were to pull Brookside as a whole or, or Fort Wayne as a whole, mm-hmm. let's say, yeah. we'd probably find a 50-50 of mm-hmm. traditional marriage and then some some type of blended family or something like that. And so for families that are like that, when they hear a sermon about, you know, fight for your marriage, I'm thinking, well, how do we have Jesus-centered homes when you know, some of that dynamic is completely different now, you know, especially well, with kids. I think some of that is is going back to like, keeping the date and like actually calling out those conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, even in a traditional family setting, like with discipline, like Katie and I have to talk about that or else we're both going to do something different and it's not going to be unified. And so I think you have to, you know, you have to fight even harder. Like you're saying, work harder to be unified in those situations. And I think it's, it's definitely possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, I love making and ending questions really difficult. So, you know how I like starting with the hard questions and ending with the hard questions, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I do. Um, so how do, how do we address the tension? There's some tension here because, so there's blended families, there's traditional family homes, and then there's some, some people that are trying to establish Jesus-centered homes, but they're individuals in a strained or toxic family environment. Um, where the presence of Jesus may feel unattainable or unrealistic. How do we address that tension as a believer? Like, what if we feel that we're the only one in our family that's trying to have a Jesus-centered home? You know, what if we're the only one that feels like we're in the ring and the other person's not in the ring? How do we fight correctly? You bring up, um, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that is the case for so many Brookside families far more than we realize and can Mm -hmm. think of. Um, One of the realities I've discovered is that you cannot control anybody else. You can only control yourself. Mm -hmm. And so if you are legitimately the only one attempting to pursue a Jesus-centered culture in your home, don't stop pursuing that because Jesus can honor that. Mm -hmm. And while you're doing that, you don't have to worry about everyone else in your family because you need to believe that the Holy Spirit is pursuing them far more than you can. And so if you are actively trying to bring Jesus into your life, now all of a sudden you become a light. I mean, there's a reason why followers of Jesus are called light in a dark world. Mm -hmm. And what better place to shine the light of Jesus in a home that you believe is spiritually Mm -hmm. dark. Mm -hmm. 
And you just have to trust that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Heavenly Father are aggressively pursuing the hearts and minds of everyone else in your home so that eventually they'll begin to catch up to your faith. Mm. Um, Now, that does not mean that that you need to sit back and and just be a doormat. Mm. There are some people in our church who deeply love Jesus and their spouse has aggressively rejected him. Mm-hmm. Or they have done things that are uh, immoral mm-hmm. and painful, abusive. And I don't think that person in any way needs to stay uh, to be abused like that. Mm-hmm. I think they need to protect themselves. I think they need to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, pray for the person who is in that setting or in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling with words because this requires a lot of details and so forth to really get clear on. And I don't want to betray mm-hmm. uh, confidences, but, but there's a way that you can be Jesus centered yourself in a home that is not yet. Um, while at the same time, not being so burned by that environment. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason, I, the reason I bring that up is I think that there's, there are many people that have had long suffering relationships and marriages and they really are fighting for what's right and what's true. And when they don't see headway, you know, I've, I've known people that prayed for their spouse for 20 years or prayed for a family member for 20, 30, 40 years um, and saw they come to faith, but they spent 20 years suffering. And so um, I know of parents that are praying for their kids because they've fallen away from the faith. They're like, I raised them right. What What did I do wrong? Um, and there's some mystery with that uh, as far as faith and salvation and how God works that out. But, but I think that, um, you know, my greatest encouragement when I, when I think about that is just don't give up. You know, when you're talking about abusive situations, well, yeah, keep yourself safe. I mean, yeah. there's, there's something to be said about that. But, but on the other hand, you know, don't give up praying for people. Don't give up, um, you know, uh, realizing that you are in a dark spot maybe. Yeah. And, yeah. and know it for what it is. So. And that, that's an, I mean, I, I hear your call to not give up. And, and I just know several people who would say, you know what, four, 15, 20 years, I didn't give up. But, now I'm done. But, <laughs> now I'm done. Well, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily <laughs> that they were done, but their spouse was done with them. And so yeah. after an affair, after an adultery, after physical abuse, I don't think anybody should have to stay in that. I mean, separation, Bible even condones that. Divorce after a lot of wisdom and counsel, um, but, but pray for your spouse. Um, but I mean, the, the whole idea of don't give up and everything. I completely agree with that. Well, well what I'm, I'm saying did, with kids yeah, and stuff, yeah. I'm not saying don't give up on the relationship. Right. I'm right. like, I'm like, when you're talking yeah. about situations where there's adultery, there's mm. abuse, that's a different category. What I'm trying to say is, um, if, if you can't look at scripture and see a biblical reason, like I'm being abused in this way, or I'm being abused in that way, or I've been abandoned. It talks yeah. about the abandonment of a non-believer in your marriage. And if those things aren't true and it's like, well, I just don't like how they spend money. Yeah. Do you say, say there's no, certain yeah, things that are absolutely. just really minor that we make major because we've been dealing with it for years. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, that's what I'm- I'm tracking, I'm yep, meaning. 100%. Um, we've just opened a can of worms. That's I know, doing. well, yeah. and, and we're- uh, short on time. So that's why, uh, David, I don't think you're going to even get to answer this question. He's like, <laughs> yes. You're like, I'm okay with not answering so, this one. <laughs> so this week I still had like four to five questions that I wanted to ask. And so what's interesting is I think next week is going to be the, uh, 
like marathon version. Episode two of Church Unscripted this year is going to have tons of different things. But I have one. I have one quick thing. I want like a, kind of a quick response. Um, considering the impact of mental health challenges in marital relationships, how can individuals facing conditions like anxiety, depression, and trauma be present and actively establish Jesus-centered homes in the midst of their struggles? Oh, yeah, I dropped that at the end. You said an easy question? Yeah. I think, it I think you can answer so, it quickly. Okay, so you're talking about the person who's dealing with those things. How do they be present? Yeah, yeah. How do they be present? Huh. I'm not saying others. Like you're not them. saying my spouse has that. How do I help them be present? You're saying I have that. How do I be present? Yes. Huh. That may I, be a question I, for next week. Well, no, I think, <laughs> it, I, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of help out there for one. Like we shouldn't be ashamed of getting help and talking to people. Yes. Counseling, stuff like that. Um, I don't have an answer because I'm, I tend not to be one of those. Like I, I tend not to ha- struggle with those as much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely been seasons where I have, but one of the things that I have to remind myself is like it's work, regardless of what I what I may struggle with. Mm-hmm. I still have to put the work in, and so uh, I just read a book um, called Holy Noticing, and it is a I think it would be a beautiful tool for somebody who struggles with this. Um, it, it's it's an opportunity that it trains you to be aware of your mind, your body, your environment, and you spend 20 minutes just breathing, praying, reading scripture. And it it has, over the last week of my life, created a sense of peace in me that uh, has been interesting. And so I, I, I don't, I can't say do it and it'll work, but I can say if you want to try something and you want to be more present, the best way that you can do that is spend more time with Jesus. And this might be a good practice. I don't know. I well, think that's a, that's a good foundation, but man, that, that's a question that deserves its entire podcast. I mean, that's just, what, you mean we're going to talk oh about goodness. it next week and the following? No, I'm we, yeah, we certainly, we, can. we will. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's really important um, to kind of close on that. Like there are some loose ends from today, which I love. Um, and some discussions that maybe we can continue in the next coming weeks because we've got, what, six weeks on this this sermon series? And so we've got a lot to talk about with, when it comes to marriage. So if you're joining us today, please like or subscribe. And remember, at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how we're on all podcast platforms starting this year, um, episode um, one of season two of Church Unscripted. Um, we've got some exciting things coming up um, for you, and we're looking forward to seeing you this next week.